the concept that maybe like we think to be the best at something, you have to be really almost superhumanly focused on one thing. Mm-hmm. And in some cases that works, but in a lot of cases, just having that sort of willingness to try and jump and do things and risk and try a lot of different things can form abilities and skills and, and kind of outlooks that actually really lend itself to being super successful. Welcome to Black Belt Beauty Radio, a podcast fueled by a passion to support your journey in developing your most beautiful and optimal performance in life. Each episode is driven with the intention to elevate your mind. When we elevate our mind, we elevate our life. So get ready. It's time to rise. Hey, everyone. What's up? Welcome back to Black Belt Beauty Radio. Today's episode is with my friend, Ashley Van Houten. Ashley is a badass renaissance woman in the health and fitness space, you guys. And just to note, this conversation, you know, normally when I bring somebody onto the podcast for the first time, it's a real profile on them, you know, where it's all about them. But this is actually going up on a podcast that she hosts as well, Paleo Magazine podcast. So it's more of a, just a conversation between two girlfriends that are are excited to be connected and getting to know each other more. We get into some deep dive conversations around, you know, our backstories, both of our backstories and good talks in health and fitness. So I'm going to give you a little bit of background about her, but just wanted to note that. So it is a little bit different this time around, but it's so much fun. So Ashley is a very talented writer. She writes for Paleo Magazine. And like I mentioned, she is the podcast host to the Paleo Magazine podcast. She's also a contributing co-host to the Muscle Intelligence podcast with renowned bodybuilder Ben Pulowski. She's a lifelong athlete who has put solid sweat equity into CrossFit, powerlifting, jujitsu, boxing, and has been a winning competitor in the sport of bodybuilding. She's a beautiful example of someone who is very curious in furthering the constant discovery of what she is capable of in her life. Most recently, Ashley has added event creator to her epic repertoire with her intimate gatherings called Human Potential Party such a great name. Her love and talent for connection and connecting individuals with shared interests of health, fitness, and really overall wellness led her to creating these events where she brings high-level experts in the field to share their knowledge in a setting where people can learn while enjoying themselves with others and healthy snacks. You know, I love that. I am so, so appreciative for my new friendship with Ashley, courtesy of our very close mutual friend, Gabrielle Lyon. For those of you who do not know who Gabrielle Lyon is, it's Dr. Gabrielle Lyon. She is one of the baddest integrative physicians on the planet. She's also been a guest on this podcast, episode 59. If you want to dive in and learn more about her, I highly suggest that. But yeah, she is a very intuitive woman and she knew that Ashley and I would hit it off as homegirls. And that is very, very apparent in this fun talk that we shared. So 
I'm excited for you guys to get to know Ashley from this talk, and I highly recommend following her on Instagram. She's got a very fun feed. She shares a lot of valuable content there, in addition to signing up for her weekly newsletter. I love this email so much. It's bite-sized, you know, with just great information because Ashley's always up to fun shit. So it's something that I certainly look forward to, and I have a strong feeling, especially after taking in this conversation and learning more about Ashley, that you will feel the same way. So one last note, we are in New York. City. There's going to be some background noise in there, but I think it makes it more fun. You know, I like it real and it's definitely that. So you guys, without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with my friend, Ashley Van Houten. Turn it on. <laughs> Bow <Bow-ho. laughs> Oh God. This gets this is like a <laughs> That's the name of your new album. Dude, my girl, my business coach slash business fucking teammate we were doing a big 2020 game plan yesterday and we're you know i do these beach runs my beach i live at the beach the beach is my backyard i do these runs often through the week they're like three to six miles just depends on the day and whatever barefoot on the beach barefoot in the sand bikini it's so primal i fucking love it you know sometimes though it's super hot right like it's summer and you get bloody blisters (laughs) and i call it out on the Something, you know, my little stories or whatever. I'm like, and you know, I mean, I got to keep going because life is going to throw you blisters sometimes. And what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. You're going to crumble? No, you're going to, not me. I'm going to fucking push through and build my resilience. Right. Mm-hmm. And so my girl, Amino, was like, we were talking and it came up. She's like, I know bloody blisters. I'm like, oh, dude, that's like my gangster name. <laughs> Like, is this the nickname I really want to have for myself? That's okay. That's but you good. know, like gangster mafia names and like yeah. bloody blister. I kind of, I kind of like it. Okay, so right? so speaking to that, because I think this is a good segue, which will then take us into a segue to another conversation I want to talk yes. about. What is your walkout song if you were going to be a UFC fighter? Dang, girl, what is it? Music is such a big place for me, but I will tell you right now that. Damn, that's a hard one. It's a good one, right? It's a really good one. It depends on your mood. It kind of does, but it almost doesn't. And here's why. Because aside from my mom, my fucking life hero is Rocky. Always has been and pretty much always will be. And I have chills because I feel like I'm rocking my life. You know, in some ways, I'm not going to say I'm an underdog, but like the challenge, adversity, it, it has shaped me, you know? family history like there's things where it's like I just feel like I'm rocking my life and when you know when I hear and I run the beach a lot to this I train a lot you know to but runs especially the Rocky Four soundtrack you know you hear Eye of the Tiger like I literally sometimes will hear Rocky's theme song gonna fly and tears I'll be like in training and tears come to my eye because that's how deep it is for me that I feel it so you know if I was going to fight and it was like shit's about to get real and I got to turn on the Bruce Lee, the Rocky in me. Because mm-hmm. Bruce Lee's like my soulmate. I fucking love him so much. I just don't know what his theme song is. But yeah, it would be it would be Gonna Fly Now or Eye of the Tiger. That's a, like a complete rabbit hole we could go down would be imagining the walkout songs of various people that we love throughout history. That could actually be so like an entire episode. Can we do that at some point? <laughs> yes. Maybe we won't go down that rabbit hole quite right now, but no, I totally. think that could be a good one. No, that's a really fun one. All right. Okay, well, so can I throw it back at you? Like, I've got a hip-hop one, and I've got, weirdly enough, a country one, because I don't listen to country music. Like, maybe some Johnny Cash, because, of course, I'm not a country fan, but the one that keeps coming up 
in my mind because it makes me so happy and it's just so fucking badass is a song called Fist City by Loretta Lynn and it's an mm -hmm. old school country song we're gonna put it on after this uh, yeah. conversation is over and it's this like old school like Dolly Parton era country singer singing a song about a girl trying to mess with her man basically and oh. she's saying like don't don't step to me because <laughs> it's Fist City and it's so good I'm like I would Fist 100 percent that would be your song. gangster name Fist City. Bloody blisters. Oh my God. Okay, it's done. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Let's go out. We're, we're in New York. We're in Midtown. It's Let's so cause some trouble. I know, right? Okay. I love it. That, that's, we're all Dude, that was epic. Okay, Good but work. The, reason, the reason I wanted to ask about that is because that's one of the things that I was so excited to meet with you in person and talk about because we both share a love of jujitsu and yes. mixed martial arts and from a fan perspective as well yeah. as practicing it, you have like a lot of deep connections with it because you've been doing yes. it for a long time. You've grown up with yeah, a lot of these Gracie people. family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So oh, yeah. can you talk a little bit about, and then you just mentioned, which I didn't know about a pretty bad injury that you had that was yeah. martial arts yeah. related. So yeah. can you talk about how that's always been a part of your life? Like, tell me about it. Yeah. Well, I mean, Taekwondo is how I blew my knee out. Jiu-Jitsu started for me nine, I think I'm going into 10 years, but I, I don't train every week right now it's just the way my life is set up but it is forever a part of my life so long as my body will let me you know my brothers have been training for years one of my brother Mike Safai is a black belt my family essentially grew up very close to Horion Gracie's family so Hidon, Hunter Gracie, Hiani like that they're his kids and my siblings and we've just merged you know it's been really interesting and just amazing they're an incredible family and I feel very fortunate because even just from the jujitsu perspective, to be brought into jujitsu, you know, with them opening their arms up to me. I mean, I'm learning from the best. I'm safe, you know, and it's just, yeah. So that's really like how martial arts has been integrated into my life. You know, when I started training, it was it was an immediate love for me with jujitsu. Like how I did, did the you chop grow and up roll. With these guys, like, how did you? Like, so you just location, okay. school, yeah. Like, so okay. it goes back to like my brother's Proximity. high school. Yeah, and then I read so funny. I don't know, you know, UFC, like MMA, getting into that for me, I haven't really done the math on how many years, but it's been a long time. I mean, I wasn't into it necessarily when it, for like in 1996, so I'm 41, I graduated high school in 96. I was surfing all day. Like I lived on Kauai, and that was really all I fucking cared about at the time, you know? But, you know, so it would be several years later that I would really fall in love with the UFC. And then, at, you know, my brothers were already watching it and super into it, but it quickly became a love of mine. And then when I started training jujitsu, that was an immediate love for me too. Mm -hmm. Like there wasn't a, Oh, maybe I'll go back. It was like, I did the trap and roll and that was a wrap for me. I was like, are you kidding me? How have I not known this? For Why did I not start this soon enough? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much how it's been integrated into my life. And yeah, I'm so grateful for it. I mean, even like just the perspective of UFC fights, they're family nights, you know, unless I'm like actually at the fight. But then even then it's like, I got my brothers with me, you know, but it's so exciting because we all get together, we have our food and it's like, it's such, it's healthy fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I always really liked it. It's funny because I grew up, and I've talked about this before, but I grew up like watching like wrestling and like World's Strongest Man. And 
You're just, so badass. I just, but it's like, there's something about it and I don't know why, but there was something about just displays of like raw physicality yeah. that really did something for me. And it wasn't even necessarily, there is a component of like, it's attractive to me to yeah. see men and women yeah. doing things like that, that are just very primal mm-hmm. and like a really primal expression of being a human totally and fighting another human being in yeah. a ring like gladiator style exactly is, is whether you like it or not it is a very human act totally and there's a lot of bravery there's a lot of just raw kind of animal whatever expression that's just it just really it appeals to me a lot and I don't know why it always did. Well, like it Dana, did. Dana White says, you know, and I really do believe this, like fighting is in our DNA. Yeah. I think it's just what you're saying. It feels yeah. very primal. Wait, yeah. do you have brothers? Yeah. So this is kind of an interesting thing. Like I definitely got into watching and stuff, wrestling and stuff. Cause I had an older brother, but I am actually one of eight. That's siblings. rad. Yeah. So I've got a lot, but they, we're kind of spread out over a couple of decades. So like my dad was married a few times. My mom's married a couple times. Most of them are half siblings. Like mm-hmm. some of them are a decade younger than me and some of them are a decade older. I'm like smack in the middle, um, <laughs> which it's funny because when a lot of people meet me and, and I tell them that they're like, Oh really? Like I would have thought you were like an only child. I'm like, is that because I'm a loud mouth or like, what do you, you know, cause usually it's like the middle child of a big family is kind of the one that's like overlooked, you know, like yeah, that's sort of the totally. stereotype. Yeah. And I'm like, maybe I like went the other direction. I'm like, I will not be overlooked. I'm in the middle. I'm just going to be a, a loud mouth. I don't know. All that to say, I probably was exposed to some of that because I had a brother that was a couple years older. And that's like, I know he's the one who introduced me to UFC, which was interestingly enough, I first learned about it. I guess I was probably in junior high or high school. I can't remember. Like in the early days of the UFC, when it was a little bit more blood sporty. Yeah. And I wasn't super into it at the time because I was like, this seems a little bit blood sporty. But yeah. then the more that I actually learned about martial arts and about the sport and about how technical and just incredibly impressive it is, yeah. and as the sport evolved on its own too, right. right? I got more into it. But funny enough, like one of my favorite movies in the world is Blood Sport. <laughs> I didn't want to interrupt you, but I was thinking, I was like, listen, I'm like, cause that was like me and my brothers. Like, ah, oh, I want yes. to get to Dustin. Is that-, that movie what is all time smart. girl. Oh my God. I'm like, yes. CBD, man. Like, I was with you day. on that. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up because that, that definitely makes me understand more of like, well, it's been more than that. It's really been my whole life because yeah. I even like to watch pro wrestling when I was mm-hmm. younger with my brothers too. So mm-hmm. But I don't think of that top of mind, but that's awesome. Yeah. So we were saying saying earlier too, that it was one of those things that it was really weird for me that I appreciated it for so long before I dipped my toes into doing it myself. And it was so weird that like for the first probably decade of being a UFC and an MMA fan, I literally didn't even connect like, Hey, I should try doing this myself. I literally didn't even connect it. Do you think so? That's because, you know, it wasn't happening more with women at the time. For sure. Women were training, but like, it's nothing like it's not like it is now you know like for me it's like surfing the minute blue crush came out now there was more girls in the water than guys and you know yeah that's true i mean i I feel like maybe if i was 
a decade younger and I learned about UFC when Ronda Rousey came in, yeah, yeah probably I would have had a different right. experience of it. I would have been like, oh, this is cool to watch and I'm going to go do it. Exactly. You're, you're right. That's a good point. But it still took me a while, even when it like clicked, like you could learn some of this stuff if you want to. Yeah. It took a while for me to be like, I'm going to actually go do it because it is intimidating. Let's be real. Oh no, it totally. And it's all, and it's more intimidating the less you know, for sure. Because 100%. when you don't know what it's like to walk into a jiu-jitsu gym or like an MMA gym, you think it's all big, sweaty dudes and they're probably all going to be good and you're coming in by yourself and are there going to be any other women? Is it going to be awkward? And you have to touch people and like all this stuff. Yeah. And of course, when you get into it and you realize that everyone's just there to learn and connect and teach and be a part of this lifestyle like you were talking about, it's more than just kind of going in and rolling for an hour. Right. Um, and also that you get over the awkwardness of like the little kind of petty things that you think are going to be awkward. Like, Oh, I'm like literally on top of a strange man. Yeah, totally. No, you <laughs> got the get... one here with boobs and like, this is weird <laughs> and that's weird. But when you're, when you're actually there to learn and you're in it, that you're not thinking about those things. He's not thinking about those things. You're not, you know, you're there to learn and whoever has boobs. Is well, secondary. <laughs> the boobs are secondary for once. Well, not, you know, that's a real testament to how powerful jujitsu is because you're fucking so right mm -hmm. that when people, for the most part, right? Like we can't speak for everyone, but for the most part, jujitsu practitioners are there because we are so fascinated with this sport that, is never ending in its layers. Like I say that you can't get to the center of the Tootsie Pop, you know, which kind of dates me, but I'm proud of my age. <laughs> but like that was, a bit, you remember, I don't know if you remember the commercial, but like, yep. you know, you're, you can't get to the center of jujitsu. And that is so for me. And I, I feel the same for you. Um, being a very curious woman, that's the fucking magic right there. So yeah, like that, you, you kind of get to push those things away and, you know, really focus on, on that. Now I need to ask you though, like, how did you get into jujitsu? Who jujitsu? <laughs> I really, I think it just was like the right place in the right time. So I had been like my sort of athletic career, I guess, just kind of quickly, I've always been interested in being active and working out and being strong. That was always something I wanted to do from a very young age was be strong. I didn't always know how that would necessarily manifest. And I wasn't, it's funny because up until probably high school or even maybe university, I didn't think I was athletic because I wasn't super into team sports. They didn't really mm. come particularly easily to me. Like I played a little soccer, whatever, but I wasn't into ball sports. And yeah. there's so much attention paid to that. And I yeah. think it's important to learn and be a part of team sports because there's yeah. so much that you can learn from that. Right. But because I wasn't, I didn't have like a huge aptitude for that. I was like, I guess I'm just not really an athlete. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I started experimenting more with, I mean, I guess growing up I did gymnastics, which I liked, but it was always individual sports. So I did gymnastics when I was a kid I was a swimmer I was pretty good at that and then I got into CrossFit and then powerlifting and then bodybuilding and then jujitsu so all of these sort of and not to say that there aren't other people involved in your success but they're individual sports sure. right yeah absolutely. and those were the ones that I had more of a sort of passion and inclination to and I think it was really just I've talked about this before I like to be more of a generalist I haven't really had the uh I don't know maybe inclination to 
pick one thing and stick to it, to be honest. Like I really, I just love to learn and experience so much that I want to like pick pieces and do this and then try that and then take a break from this and do that. And that's just always what's kept me excited and interested. So, you know, I did CrossFit for a while and I got to a point where I felt like I was competent and I did some things that I was really proud of. And then I'm like, I kind of feel like I want to try something else. And so I moved into powerlifting and then I moved into bodybuilding and I really liked that. And then I was like, "Uh, I'm going to the gym and like doing bicep curls every day. I want to do something else. I want to learn a skill. (laughs) like let's do jujitsu I've been watching this for so long like let's go try it and then even from there I veered off and I was doing boxing for like the last six months which I love and I will probably always want to continue doing that because it's so much fun yeah Um, but I really like having this sort of maybe not necessarily super deep but very broad base of interests and experience and like this sort of physical base of like I can kind of be competent in a lot of different things and maybe you know maybe it's just an excuse because I could never necessarily be like a lead at anything but maybe I'm okay with that like maybe I just like the idea of of just kind of dipping my toes everywhere. You well, know? I, I love that. And I, I think I really love it because I feel a deep connection to it. Cause mm-hmm. you know, I grew up surfing for the better part of my life. I mean, I still do, but you know, it's not like I'm out checking the waves every morning. I mean, there, you know, I, I grew up in the pro surfing world, really. I mean, my best friends growing up are like the legends of female surf surfing period, but like they were the women that like p- broke the glass ceiling Kiala Kenley, I don't know if you know who she is, but like, she's fucking crazy, crazy woman in the best way. Anyways, you know, and like my surf friends and just people like surfers in general, a lot of times, like that's their whole thing, right? People who train jujitsu, like that's their whole, they're there all throughout the week. They're checking the waves every single day. Well, I'm not, you know, I'm not training jujitsu every week and I'm not surfing. But the thing is, is like, it's always a part of my life. Like I'm never so um, removed from it that I can't speak to it like fluently mm-hmm. and it, not just obviously verbally, but like in the actual form With of doing body, it. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But I'm very similar to you that I'm, I think I'm just a really curious human and, and it's, it's a lot of it. I think is, it, it comes down to, for me, it's self-discovery and challenge. And, but that even leads back to self-discovery. It's like, well, what am I capable of? Capable is one of my favorite words. It's like, it's a big word for me, but it's like you like investigating yourself in all of these different, really incredible ways. Like that's really interesting. And then obviously it's really interesting and respectful to the person who can become obsessed and become the best in that thing. You know, my best friend, Carrie Walsh Jennings, she's the goat of beach volleyball, like what you know like <laughs> you, you gotta be like it's, it's just... a rare personality for sure i mean yeah. it's like i don't know if you've read that but it's called range and the book is exploring whether being super myopically focused on one thing to become the best in the world is actually the best way to do it or mm-hmm. if being a well-rounded person and coming to your focus later in life is actually better so there's all this kind of anecdotal evidence about like tiger woods versus i don't know some other golfer who wasn't as obsessed with golf yeah um, and then like you know like the williams sisters versus other and like just yeah. kind of different approaches and there's i mean there's a lot of psychology behind it there's a lot of outliers that you can't necessarily rely on to be sort of statistically significant, but the concept that maybe like we think to be the best at something, you have to be really almost superhumanly focused on one thing. Mm -hmm. And in some cases that works, but in a lot of cases, 
just having that sort of willingness to try and jump and do things and risk and try a lot of different things can form abilities and skills and, and kind of outlooks that actually really lend itself to being super successful, maybe a little bit later, or maybe it takes yeah. a little bit longer, but maybe that's just, we're just kind of speaking to it. Cause we're like, yeah, we just, we're just like a little bit good at everything and it's going <laughs> to sort itself out later. Like whatever. I mean, whatever. Well, works. no, but you know, what just came to my head actually, as you're saying all this and I'm thinking, you know, you and I are both communicators. It's like a big, mm-hmm. huge part of what we do mm-hmm. for work. And I think that so much of a great conversation, I mean, obviously the number one, you have to be a great listener, but you need to be interested. And then, you know, what can you speak about? Like how, how many different areas of topics can you go? One of the reasons why I love Joe Rogan, he is so interesting and he knows a lot about a lot of different things. And that's why he's able to bring on so many incredible guests from all different avenues. And that's, that's powerful. And he's willing to talk about anything. Totally. That's a big deal. Yeah. So maybe like this has all been happening, you know, because it's very supportive to like what we're doing now. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know. I just kind of put that together in my head, but (laughs) I like it. One of the things that you touched on that I wanted to bring back because it's something that I, I really wanted to talk about specifically in this conversation with you, because it's something that I pick up on from us being Instagram friends and the kind of energy you put out, but you said the word capable. And this is something that I feel so passionate about. And I talked about it, I think probably recently on a podcast that like one of my missions and one of the things that I want to talk about more in the world especially for women, but for everybody Mm -hmm. is the idea of competence. So competence and capability, I think are two probably borderline interchangeable terms Mm -hmm. and how that breeds confidence. Cause people ask, like they look at somebody that they think is confident and they're like, well, you're confident because you're good looking or maybe because you had money or because you're already successful in something. You have no reason not to be confident. Right. But people don't realize that it very rarely true confidence comes from nowhere. You earn it, you gain it over the course of a lifetime, but that you can get it in very tangible ways. It's not like, oh, I was just lucky to be confident or right. I got rich. So I'm confident because of that. It's through competency. It's through mm-hmm. being capable. Yeah. There's nothing that breeds more true in your heart and gut confidence yeah. than just knowing that you're capable of yeah, things, whatever it is, right? Yeah, like maybe if you're capable in your job and you know that you're good at what you do mm-hmm. because you worked at it and you learned and you studied and you asked other people and you surround yourself with smart people. And maybe it's you're capable in your martial arts practice because you work so fucking hard at it. Mm-hmm. And there's so many ways that that can expand out and you know your confidence in one way can yeah. trickle over into other things but i think that that should give people hope because maybe you don't feel confident in something right now but you have the power to get it you know if you apply yourself and if you work and you learn and you have this sort of open mind to be willing to go there with it that's 100% I and mean, that's poetry to me you know i've made two shirts for black belt beauty and the first one says capable and then the second one has power on it and i think and for me you know where it really you know what makes a woman sexy well for me, just Roxanne Safai, like from what makes me feel strong sexy. shoulders. Sorry. <laughs> That's what I think. But anyway, <laughs> That's my two cents. Shoulders are so important, man. They really just make everything. Just brings the whole room together. <laughs> nice shoulders. I love it so much. <laughs> Damn, this needs to be a video. I yeah. blew it, but next time. Okay. So the word that really resonates with me when I think of what lights me up and I feel like a sexy woman is I am capable. Mm -hmm. And that capability is not just in one territory. It's just how I do life. I do it with a mindset that is 
capable. And it's essentially like, it's obviously, it's a very empowered mindset, you know? Oh, the hotel is calling. What do they want? (laughs) (laughs) They can't have any of the huge kitchen chocolate, just FYI. There's nothing that they have that we want. Let's ignore them. We're just going to let it roll. It's raw and real. We're New York City, baby. That's right. So, yeah. So, you know, I love everything you just put out. It's so beautiful and I'm echoing it and adding to it in that space. Like specifically, I think even for women, you can define sexy however you want, right? Mm -hmm. This is very subjective. And I think that we've seen like what a sexy woman is. I think that that model is even changing. And I think that we are moving to a space now where it's like, I got this Mm -hmm. is very attractive, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was something that we were starting to talk about offline. And then we were like, no, wait until we start recording because we were having so many (laughs) good conversations over dinner. But one of the the things I wanted us to kind of talk about was sort of growing up either through athletics or Mm -hmm. like you had very athletic family and yourself and your brothers and, and how people perceived you because of the way you look and how maybe you wanted to put yourself out into the world versus sort of how I was doing this through bodybuilding and through my sort of obsession with strength and kind of sort of the different opinions that we have maybe of it growing up. So I'd like to talk about that because you, you said like you kind of grew up always being athletic and also looking athletic. Right. Yeah. 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 It's funny. And you know, I love that you, I love being strong when I was, Mm -hmm. you know, growing up and you know, I was thinking about it when you were saying that I was like, actually I loved being strong. There'd be like a, what is it? What are these called again? These hand arm, arm (laughs) conference. The people listening are like, I know what you're talking about. That's the video. Over the top, you know. Like, Arm wrestling? Yes, thank you. Dude, Jeez. can we, like, I saw the motion, but I was like, are you talking about arm wrestling? We have to talk about arm wrestling. Okay, we're going to, well, listen, I used to do, I would beat the guys, like, in school. No, and I, and I remember being proud of that, but it's interesting because at the same time, and I think, again, this really stems from when I got injured and then my body changed, right? I wasn't the girl who was like, when, if a guy said, oh, you're buff, you're ri-, like, even like they were trying to give me a compliment, yep. like, girl, you're rich, you're buff. And I would get offended and I would let them know, like, no, no, no. Is that because you thought that they were in some way saying that you were less feminine? Well, I don't think that they were saying that. I think they were actually genuinely for the most part admiring the muscle because they're just you know men do like muscle right but I think for me I sit so deeply I mean I really operate my masculine and feminine energy in a very harmonious way and this is not something that I'm consciously thinking about it's just it really makes me who I am and, and feeds into my lifestyle but I think that because at the time when I was growing you know I mean we're similar age but like we strong wasn't beautiful back then for girls. Like it wasn't a thing so mm-hmm. much, right? We now we're in a different time. You know, we have Instagram girls lifting all the stuff, but it wasn't the case. And and then, you know, you move me into being a celebrity makeup artist and I'm in fashion and all that. And it's like, listen, I stand out like, you, you know? And so I think I was so deeply sitting in my feminine energy of like, no, dude, I'm not some buff girl. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, (laughs) it really is. I mean, I guess maybe like I'm not naturally jacked. I had to work for it. So like, I mean, maybe there's a part and this is not no disrespect meant, but maybe 
and I'm not saying it came naturally to you, but you are a naturally athletic looking person. I have a mesomorph built, so sure. we have more muscle. So, so maybe it was more like, not that you took it for granted, but you're like, this is, this is who I am. And I don't necessarily want that to be the first thing people notice or talk. About. I didn't identify with yeah. being buff. Yeah. I identified yeah. very much with, yeah, I'm an athlete. And I'm strong. And by the way, I'm not even like, I'm not jacked either. And especially. You're a little bit jacked. Am I, am I, am I really? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. A bit jacked. It's all subjective. Right? Yeah. But like, yeah, I think that it just, for me, it was just not how I identified sure. with myself. I mean, now it's obviously a different story. You yeah. know, I remember telling like, one funny, quick thing. I remember seeing this guy who used to work with or whatever at an event. Hadn't seen him for a year. And he and it was like past the aggressive. And he was like, God, you're so like buff, like so red buff, so buff. I'm like, thanks. And now it's different because I don't take offense anymore because yeah. I'm like, yeah. And then, but he kept, he kept going. And now I'm like, like almost oh, in a like, why? They, that's yeah. it. And I caught yeah. it. And I was, he was like, but you're just like buff. I'm like, yeah, we'll fucking get to work then. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. If you're feeling triggered, maybe you need to spend more time in the gym. I remember having like some, I mean, most of the time, again, people are complimentary, people are positive, people are trying to be nice. But like, I remember some old dude in the gym at one point telling me, you know, like, you don't need to work on your shoulders anymore. Like, they're big enough. And of course, this is a total random dude, like, who felt like he could tell me. That's whatever, crazy. You know? And I was like, that's your opinion? I'm cool over here. I'm you gonna, said that? That's so yeah, nice of you. Yeah, because I mean, like, I'm not there to, like, tell this poor old guy, like, to fuck off. You know, like, I don't care, really. Like, <laughs> but it was just this, I mean, first of all, it's just the, like, entitlement that people just still feel like they yeah. can tell you what they think of yeah. your body. Like, I'm like, yeah. it's not really any of your fucking business. But, yeah, totally. But, and also the idea, too, that I think some people have that there's still, like, there's a limit to, even within the fitness world, because we're all becoming more accepting of strong looking women, there's still sort of a limit to right. where, and everybody's limit is different. Like what I consider to be personally for me, more muscular than I would like to be yeah. is perfect for somebody else or whatever. So this old guy thought maybe that my delts were a little, a little much for him. And I'm like, that's your business and that's fine. And I'll be over here doing delt raises till I die. <laughs> because I like them. Like that's just, I love them. I, mean, I know, you know you have amazing shoulders and fuck. Yeah. That's a that's that's what I'm going with. And instead of like that's trying so to work nice. on my this is the other um, you know, it. hashtag reel. Instead of trying to like work on the parts that I know I'm never gonna have like striated hamstrings, I'm just gonna keep working those fucking delts <laughs> till I die. Because I'm just working on the parts that I love. Oh my god, but, that's a good I mean, part. Bodybuilding, I like this was a conversation that we were gonna have too, because yes. I I love the sport. Like I think that I've talked about it a lot and I actually when I was competing, I was blogging about it because as we've talked about, like I love to write and I love yes. to communicate. And I think that I'll have to see if I can pull them up somewhere because they're online somewhere. And I really had a lot of fun. It was like really cathartic. It was really fun because I felt like I was a bit of an outsider because I came at it. It's funny. There's like bodybuilders versus CrossFitters and they all kind of like somehow lightheartedly like kind of make fun of each other. Right. Cause like one is the aesthetic and one is the performance, but they're both really just aesthetic and just want to look good and like show off like shirtless on Instagram. Anyway, they're much more similar than they are different is what I'm saying because sure. I've done both. I've been in not really competitive CrossFit, but I was like pretty into CrossFit when it was like really kind of cresting in like 2008, 9, 10, kind of whatever. I wrote my master's thesis on the CrossFit games. Like oh, I yeah. was pretty into it. 
Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of people go from like functional or just regular bodybuilding meathead workouts and then they found CrossFit and I went the other way. Like I was doing CrossFit and then I moved into bodybuilding. Can I ask you why? Like what? Why did I make the switch? Yeah. Like what was... Well, I mean, part of it is what we were saying before about how, like, I just, like, I do things for a couple of years and mm-hmm. I move on. And I really felt like, again, this is just me kind of feel saying maybe I'm, like, not that ambitious. But I'm like, I can do muscle-ups. I can deadlift twice my body weight. Like, I'm kind of good. Like, yeah. I don't really need to, like, quit while I'm ahead. Like, I don't want to hurt myself, right? Like, right. I, I felt like I, I learned a lot. And it was super empowering. And it was at a point in my age. It was at a point in culture where we were learning that women are literally capable of things we didn't think they were capable of. Like, yeah. going back to pop culture movies that we love, G.I. Jane, fucking obsessed with her. She was doing pull-ups and yeah. one-arm push-ups. And she had a shaved head. She was super badass. But this was like when people thought that women couldn't do this stuff. Like military standards are different for women. Women have to do a static hang on a pull-up bar instead of pull-ups because women can't do pull-ups. I'm like, turn on the CrossFit games. Right. Where there are women doing like 40 weighted pull-ups. Like, you know what I mean? So anyway, it was a really like, I'm happy for that time in my life, but I just, I wasn't going to be super competitive at it. I sort of got what I needed to. There's also like, there's pros and cons to every sport or every kind of athletic community where when it gets to a point where it's more like anxiety inducing or you know it can just be problematic when you're turning a workout into a competition every day right, right? yeah so Takes I kind of just like took what I wanted from that community and I kind of just moved on and then I was getting into bodybuilding because truly I think it was one of those things where I just had enough I loved bodybuilders I loved muscles I loved watching other people do it and I just had enough people in my head saying like just give it a shot just give it a shot and I was like all right fine you know I'd always done the like I can't diet because you assume that no one can kind of stick to a diet like that so I was like yeah I can't do it and then I just literally one year was like I want a new goal let's just do it whatever it's amazing because it. it's so and we'll tap into this but it is fucking challenging there's a lot of parts of it that are challenging and the food is probably the biggest part of it. Yeah. But I, I feel like I had a bit of a unique experience with it on a couple of levels. And of course I always preface talking about my bodybuilding experience by saying that I was never doing it with the intention of going pro and I was never doing it with the intention of being like the best bodybuilder in the world because let's be real. You need to take drugs to do that. You need to take like steroids and stuff to be really good at stuff. 99% of the time. Well, no. And it's also because of straight up. It's because of the way that you're getting judged. It's not even, I think it's just the way the sport is set up to be honest. Yeah. 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 And I I mean, there's prop, there's a lot of problematic aspects to a sport that is literally judging your aesthetics. (laughs) It's a beauty competition. Like in a lot of ways it is. Right. Um, And I think that the way that I managed to have such a positive experience, there's a couple reasons. One, I got into it old. So I was in my late twenties and I was already pretty comfortable in my skin at that point. Like I wasn't doing it to like prove that I was cute or to get people to pay attention to me. Like I get plenty of attention regardless. I didn't get on a bikini on a stage. It was fine. So I really wasn't not to say that you don't want to look good, but I wasn't doing it for that kind of validation. It truly was like, can I do this crazy thing and stick to it? Anyway, so I was older. I was a little bit more like comfortable in my skin. And also I made a really smart decision by getting a really good coach. And one of the pieces of advice I would give people if they're interested in it is to really do your research with the coaches. And for my two cents, I found somebody who, first of all, was a woman because I feel like 
with the complicated physiology that we have. I just think it's helpful for it to be somebody who understands the way the female body works. I agree. She was somebody that had an aesthetic look that I liked. So like, I, again, it's just my opinion, but I'm like, if you're a bikini competitor, like, are you going to work with like a super heavyweight male bodybuilder? Like just, I don't know, maybe it would be good to have somebody that kind of looks like what you look, would right. want to look like. And I met with her and she was a natural bodybuilder. She never once pressured me to like try to take anything or do anything weird. Or it was a very, very moderate approach as far as bodybuilding goes. Now to the average person, what I did to prep for a bodybuilding competition would sound very extreme, but in the bodybuilding world, I was actually doing it in a really, really reasonable manner, honestly. And as a result, I was not the leanest person there and I wasn't, you know, doing three hours of cardio and I wasn't whatever, but because I was doing it in such a reasonable way, I was able to really enjoy it a lot more. And like, I wasn't depleted and tired and sick and I wasn't losing my period and I wasn't like having kind of all of these issues that are so common with female bodybuilders. And because I, I wasn't going into it trying to win, I could just really enjoy the process, which I did. I really, really did. And it's not to say that it wasn't hard and that eating super fucking plain food for three months doesn't kind of suck. Like it does. I was in the gym more than I wanted to be. It's not the healthiest thing in the world, but it's a goal. Most athletic endeavors aren't actually very healthy. Well, there's a dark side when you're, when you're trying to win. Absolutely. But even not like we both know people who train and coach elite athletes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the people who are performing and looking the best in the world are the least healthy people. Like it's true. Some of these elite athletes are like, you look at their blood markers. They're close to death. Like that's not healthy. That's not about longevity. That's about achieving a goal. And I think that if you're educated about it and you know the risks that you're undertaking, that's on you. Like if you want to climb Mount Everest, that's probably not the safest, healthiest thing to do. But if that's, (laughs) you're going to educate yourself and dedicate yourself to that and do do it knowing what the risks are go for it i agree you know? yeah totally and that's and i i was trying to kind of toe the line between i know i'm doing something that isn't the healthiest thing long term but i'm going to do it in the healthiest way that i can and i know that ultimately my health does come first so if i was experiencing like i was working working with a naturopath and i was like making sure all of my like blood markers were good and i was checking in with myself and i'm like if i feel like I'm really doing something that's detrimental, like I'm going to stop. Like I don't, it's, this isn't like get on stage or die. Like I'm going to yeah, do it's not I, worth you know. it to you. No, no. Yeah. And I won the, all the competitions because it was just like, I just had no, like there was no stress. Like I'm backstage with all these people who are like freaking out and yeah. they're like just upset and worried and nervous and like, am I skinny enough? And then I do this. And am I lean enough? And I was just like, well, I'm in a bikini. Like look, I've got all this weird paint on. Like I was just having a good time with it. And I mean, if you've watched a beauty pageant, like the people up there who look like they're having a good time, like, yeah, yeah, (laughs) right. Like I had fun with it. Like I just, I really, I really did. And I feel like there's again, a part of me that I feel like if I had started it a little bit earlier and now I'm working with uh, one of the the jobs that I have, one of my many jobs, I'm working with Ben Kralski, who is a, a, you know, one of the best bodybuilders in the world. And so we talk about meathead stuff all the time (laughs) when we're podcasting together and working. And there's like a part of me that's like, I feel like if I was ever going to be really good at any sport, it was that one. And I just didn't, it wasn't worth the sacrifices that I have to make to take it further than I did. Like I competed at a national level. I did really well. I did not compromise my health. I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot about my body and how it works. I learned a lot about the industry. I met a lot of great people. Yeah. 
I had a six pack a couple times. Like, <laughs> no, it's all good. Like I, you know, I, I took a lot from it. And I think that's ultimately what I try to do with all of my like physical pursuits is like, what can I learn from this and take with me yeah. for the rest of my life? Right. And I feel like I got a lot out of it. That's amazing. Yeah. And how long was that period for you? It was probably like, I, I only, another thing that I did that was very reasonable, I keep doing air quotes, like the people listening can hear it, but reasonable was I would compete once a year. So any more than that, oh, wow. because I was doing like a three to four month prep. And then ideally yeah. you want to take like a sort of three to four month period getting out of it. A lot of people compete more than that. And I just, again, I, did, I saw the, the negative health effects of that. So I was yeah. like one a year is good. So it was about three years that I was competing. I only did three competitions and first first and then top five in the country in one of the more competitive it was in Canada the biggest province in, in the country so that's amazing um, I did well like I, I yeah a lot of it's genetics too like I just you know I've been swimming and doing gymnastics since a kid I have wide shoulder that can be a yeah. figure so figure is sort of like I like to explain it as it's sort of like a crossfitter who goes on a diet like very athletic very <laughs> very well, athletic. difference between bikini I was yeah like, so okay. bikini is a little bit more, more petite right more petite less muscular for yeah. sure yeah it's it's, um, that's probably the closest to like full on beauty pageant. It's like, are you cute right. and pretty and kind of lean and you look good? And then figure is a little bit more just sort of athletic. It's more about like wide shoulders, small waist, like that kind of typical like sort of V taper that looks really nice. And then you go up and it's physique, which is like getting more muscular and then bodybuilding. And then there's all kinds of new, like there's, there's always new categories being brought in. The only thing yeah. that I regret is that I never got to do because like I literally watch like pumping iron like once a month for fun. Like I am just so obsessed so with meathead with so culture. Um, but but one of the things that I never got to do in figure because figure is just posing is like the sort of on stage routines. But the things that the dudes get to do where they go out and like fle- do flex offs. Like, oh yeah, totally. Other, like just jump in front of each other and like <laughs> front double biceps. Like it's really funny. I've seen my brother. It's brother's, so much yeah, fun. Like, it it's is. so much fun. So I'm like, when I go, I'm going down to Tampa this week and I'm hanging out with Ben at his gym and I'm like, I'm doing a pose off with you. Like, Girl, you like it or not, I don't know if you're ready, but can it's you a life IG that? Yes. I'm like, <laughs> this is like a lifelong goal for me is to like do a flex down with like a that's bodybuilder. So, so that's definitely dope. happening. But speaking of that, if we want to go into segues, one of my heroes, you were talking about Rocky. Yeah. One of mine was Arnold because yes. I loved his attitude in competition like some people might say it was like maybe a little bit mean or a little bit sleazy how he would like fuck with people's heads and like it's genius like watch how he worked like watch how he got into people's heads and messed with them and he sort of had like a lighthearted attitude about it but like you watch him compete in pumping iron and like he took it seriously of course but like he was having a good time he really was i mean i yeah it appeared to be that way he had he had fun and he knew that he was good and he like you could tell that he just visualized like every night he's like i'm winning this thing so there's really no other way this is going to go down and that's why it went down the way it did and then now he's in the game changers documentary girl i know i was thinking i'm like (laughs) all my heroes are dead dude i know when i've met him a couple times he's, he's really sweet and it was all you know it was Listen, in my makeup career, like I obviously I work with a lot of people and I've never been one to really I don't like the celebrity thing, it's like doesn't mean anything to me. You know, and that's probably one thing that has helped me in my career because you Absolutely. can't you can't be like fanning out on your you know, and there are people who are like that. But anyways, that's a rabbit hole. But I wanna say this because I know you'll appreciate it. There was one time I was on a uh working some press stuff for the um the what's the fucking movie? Oh my god, I'm totally forgetting my client's name with all the like class. Expendables? Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Okay. 
Thank you. So we were down doing some press stuff for Comic-Con and basically, girl, I found myself in the elevator and I was texting my siblings because I was like, you guys, I'm in the fucking elevator with Rocky, the Terminator and Drago. I can't. I can't. I Tell can't. me you got like a sneaky picture. And I was like, the, my no, I didn't. But I no, because you know, but that was like the most if I've ever had a moment. So that was a moment for me because you know, these three characters were so influential and even still are to this day, you know, so that was incredible. But how did I get there? Bodybuilding? Well, we, I think I, I don't know. I mentioned that I really liked Arnold Iron and Arnold, and, but, but speaking of influential, so I would love to talk about, and I don't necessarily, I don't think we need to dissect game changers, but we have to talk about that conversation that's happening around nutrition because we both are maybe coming at it from kind of slightly different angles. Like we're both obviously very into health and wellness and, and treating our bodies well, but you were, you said, was it vegan or vegetarian? Never vegan. I mean, I think I played with it for three months, not on purpose, but I landed there and then I was like, no, I want my fish back. Mm -hmm. But so, you know, basically I didn't eat meat for 17 years. I grew up eating meat. And why did you stop? Yeah. So I did this cleanse. And at the time, you know, I was eating bread and things where I knew like just candy, like things didn't feel right to me. So I did this cleanse and then, you know, 10 days later, I just didn't gravitate. What I gravitated towards was plant. I wanted plant. And that made sense. If you, you know, the cleanse that I did, it was very um, restrictive. And so I think my micronutrients, like my body was like, feed me that. So for me, I was like, well, if I'm not gravitating towards meat, then maybe I don't need it. And then I really, I was like, well, I'm type A, you know, we're more the vegetarians in the blood type. And I was like, oh, maybe that's why too. So I'm really, I'm O type, which is are like, you, yeah. So towards the, like the carnivore the, side of it. That's exactly. What, yeah. Which I never really, and I don't know if you know more about this, if like, if really actual science or studies bear this whole blood type thing out. But I was speaking with a functional medicine physician that I know who, I don't know why, what, how we got into the conversation, but she said, I don't generally put too much credit on the blood type dieting thing, except for O type people do really tend to gravitate more towards like a meat or like animal protein based thing. Generally, just in my experience, anecdotally is something that she said. It was like, this really makes sense because for me growing up, like I was never like, oh, I gotta eat meat because that's the cool thing. Like I just ate whatever. And I always veered more towards like, yeah, red meat and even just kind of like organ meats and like weirder things that maybe weren't naturally like available to me, but I really gravitated towards them. So I don't know if they're really, do you know if it's like really science bears this out? I don't, I don't know. I don't know if it's like, if there's actual official science, Mm -hmm. like if some of the great doctors we know would validate it. We should ask Gabrielle. I know. (laughs) Shout out Gabrielle for introducing us. First of all. Oh my goodness. Yes. I love you. You are so loved. She's such a fucking badass. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, actually, she's a great piece to put in this because I really bought into that idea. And, and again, I wasn't naturally gravitating towards me, even though I grew up in it. And maybe there is some validity to that concept, but learning about the actual nutrients in red meat and, you know, learning a lot from Gabrielle, especially and muscle, you know, just muscle protein synthesis, the health of your muscles basically, and how it's so fundamental to like the health of your entire life. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't even care if that type A or blood type is, you know what I mean? If like there's something there it, because, 
unless something becomes totally wrong, which I don't think would ever be the case. Like now that I eat meat after 17 years and I can feel the difference, my blood markers are showing that it, yeah, there's no going back here. But you went 17 years. So I went it, must, it must have been working for you for a good well, part Well, okay, so that that's really funny because I would think so too. And so when I finally got to a place where I could do my first comprehensive blood lab and I had someone, my friend Julie Keene, who's an incredible clinical nutritionist and can read the language, understand blood labs, it's a foreign language. When I was finally able to do blood labs with her, we discovered that I was anemic. And the interesting thing about that is that I didn't know. And it, but like, what would I really base it off of? Because obviously my body, my ferritin levels were at 14. And I think Gabrielle talks about like for hair growth, it's 80. And I don't want to get the numbers wrong, but it's I was at the, a lot higher. Than I was at the fucking were. bottom yeah. of the barrel, you know? And here I am lifting weights and living this real high performance life. And so, and I feel great. Like I feel good, but it's not about, do you feel, could you feel better? And the answer I know now that I'm on the other side is yes. I will say this, like before I found out that I was anemic, I, because of all the research that I had been doing and learning about the value in eating meat and specifically red meat is what I really focus on. I was honestly like, sometimes I'd be like, damn, I wish I ate red meat, you know? Mm -hmm. But at that point too, it's such a mental game because, you know, I don't have blood in my kitchen. Like I didn't have any of that, you know? So I'm super plant-based. I love fish and eggs, but that was the extent in my animal protein, right? I always remember my brother saying like, if you ate more animal protein, be more lean. Like when I would like be asking him questions about diet. It's so I'm not hearing it. I think one of the, like one of the, to just put a pessimistic spin on it, but one of the downsides of how resilient the human body is with regards to nutrition is that like you kind of touched on, like, yeah, you're doing okay, but could you do better? You don't even know. Like if you are eating, say, a vegan diet or say you're eating a really standard American highly processed diet or whatever, your body is so resilient and it can put up with so much shit. Like think about, and no judgments to anybody, think about people who are smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. Yeah. And like it is an or just drinking a ton testament yes. to the human body that we can do the kind of things that we do to our bodies and they just keep ticking. So you can do a diet that's less than optimal for a really long time and not know it necessarily because yeah. again, like you said, you don't know how good you can feel until you do it. Right. Um, but a lot of people think because our, again, the standard American diet is so fucked up. And I'm yeah. just going to say it. No, like, it is. Without like, you know, we can debate all day about whether you should be carnivore or paleo or keto or yeah. whatever. The standard American diet is fucked up right and there are there's such a huge amount of people in the world who think that maybe kind of off digestion or sort of feeling icky after you eat or being tired in the afternoon or needing coffee to get up and function throughout the day that's normal that's what being a human is and again i'm not saying this with judgment i'm saying that this is the culture the food culture that we're in and that's why it makes it so tough to break out because that's what's normal right trying to eat whole foods and trying to like get off stimulants and trying to feel good all the time and caring about perfect poops that's weird <laughs> no 
that's sure. weird. Like, but it know, shouldn't be. It's not. I know. And yeah. it's maybe I can seem like an extremist in some ways because my diet is very, I'm very particular. Mm-hmm. I'm very particular. I don't want GMO oils and I don't eat there if it has GMO or I will sit down. Like, but I'm not going to eat the food. I don't like plastic. You know, I have glass bottle water and like I have my ways, but I, I know how to navigate my diet for me and to where it's not interfering with anybody else. But like people can definitely, I'm not saying like there's a claim on me in this way, but like I know I can seem very extreme. But my thing is, is that I just know, first of all, I, I'm a biology geek. I love nutrigenomics. I study this shit because I love it. I also love it. There's that hotel again. Do you want to pick it up and hang up on them or something? I don't, I don't, I don't even know where the phone is in here. It's in the bedroom. <laughs> You got the Roxy's got the biggest. Uh, I know what they're doing. They're calling me because my four sigmatic arrived, and this is not an ad. Important. <laughs> when we've been crushing it all night too, we're like <laughs> just gonna take a sip of my four sigmatic here. They should be actually sponsoring you. They should. Swear. Shout out to Four Sig, man. It's good stuff. They're pretty popular on my podcast by now because I, I always dose people out with lion's mane before yeah. we start talking. Yeah. So you were like, like hey, do you want some reishi? Because you talk like you are on coke. I'm like, no, that's just me. No drugs. That's me all the time. That's why people tell me I shouldn't do drugs. They're like, you already act like it. I'm like, mm-hmm. Yep. Well, you're yep. the best giggle I'm like. <laughs> Now people are really gonna think we're on drugs. I don't even know. It's like natural drugs. Yeah, yeah. Natural high. Being happy, working out, having good poops. That's what. That's what. That'll give you a natural high, guys. Do it. Okay, let's try to bring this back because I have a question. Sorry, Pena, you're so good. Bring it. Okay, what made you decide after 17 years to start putting? animal protein and specifically red meat back into your diet. And what was that transition process like? Yeah. So when I found out that I was anemic, because I was already so intrigued by all that I had been learning about the benefits of eating meat specifically, I was focusing on grass fed red beef. You know, I was like, that's it. I'm ready. And my doctor didn't say, Hey, you know, you need to change your diet. I was ready. So I pulled the trigger and said, I'm it. That's it. I'm going to get a grass fed steak. And that's just how, you know, I still have to supplement, you know, because I was in too deep of a hole, you know? And so anyways, the literally the next night, (laughs) one of my friends literally had to go with me because it was so, it was, you know, it was hard on me mentally. It's really hard. Like I'm about to cut this flesh thing, you know, and I hadn't done it for 17 years and I'm not soft, you know, but it was like, that was something, you know, it wasn't the best thing. Like I wasn't like, Oh my God. Yes. One thing I will say, a lot of people think, and I can't speak for everybody's body, but they have this idea like, Oh no, it's probably going to be really hard on your body Mm -hmm. because yeah, that didn't happen to me. Like my body straight up girl liked it. Girl, yeah. Well, so what I did, because this was very important to me, I was like, I am not going to be fucking anemic. My ferritin levels, you're, it's so important. You know, my hair wasn't super shedding and then it did start super shedding. It doesn't shed anymore, you know, but things started to show up very slightly and I didn't want it to get worse. So I wasn't ready to go to the market and buy the steak and bring it home and cook it. That mm-hmm. took a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. And so I bought some took some steak to go from this spot that I love at home. And I made sure that I had it in my fridge so I could eat it the next day and the next day. And then very good friend of mine, Amber, love you. She's a chef. She's amazing. And she cooks a lot of grass fed bison recipes. And so I, so I was like, look, I got to bring meat back in. Like, can you help me? And she straight up, 
made me this incredible bison dish with lemon and cilantro and all this stuff and then turned me into the wild buffalo company which i get their products now through vital choice too because i buy my fish through them as well and so yeah i mean it honestly took me i would say like seriously i think within two weeks by the third day by the third day i'm just gonna be super real like well fuck i always am i literally took the steak with no fork and fucking hand it and That's like the way to do did it. it and I was and it Eat felt good I, know, I love that so now my diet it's interesting because I have red meat I mean not every day is the same but like yeah, a couple times a day. Like that's, I'm doing it twice a day. I typically eat two times a day. You know, mm-hmm. I do time restricted. Yeah, like I like smaller windows of eating. Um, and but I get so much nutrients from what I'm eating, from the bison, from the steak. And then I'll have some avocado and some plants. You know, because I do love my plants so much, mm-hmm. and that I'm so I'm, I'm sustained. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that that's it. So was there ever a really tough sort of like ethical component for you? Like you said, mm-hmm. and I can imagine like, I, again, I come from a, a kind of the other end of the spectrum, but I yeah. can imagine that not having animal protein in your diet for a while and then having like a hunk of flesh in front of you, yeah. like it's a bit of a trip, but like, did you at any point where you like, I don't feel right about eating animals? I feel like this is wrong. Or was it more just like your body wasn't asking for it? And then it was. So I love that question. Because how do I want to say this? It's It's, tricky. This is a tricky... It is tricky. Well, listen, like, I think no matter what, we can always offend someone. So I'm never going to hold back. Like, I I have tact and I have respect and, you know, people that... Like, it's very clear that I am a very respectful woman, you know? Piss me off. We'll see something different. You know what I'm saying? I can choke you out. Exactly. But the word that I like, that I feel closest to is I am a very connected human and that's where some people would say spiritual i don't feel a connection to that word as much as i feel connection because i still feel separation in that word spiritual it's deeper for me i feel oneness i feel whole i feel absolutely connected with this force of life and all that is in it so how could you eat an animal well how's the lion doing it you know listen I'll say it straight up before I eat my food. Like my dinners are my rituals. I love them. I talk to my food and I give it love because it's reverence. I am nothing without this. I'm not, and I'm eating real food because we know that there's fake food out there. That's what the majority of the standard American diet is, right? So it's really calories, right? I'm eating earth. I'm eating the force okay that's if i have a fucking religion it's like star wars and shit yeah Yeah, you know so and it's like but we're a partnership so for me i feel like they're extending their life into me for me to extend my life because this is what i really connect with also is like i'm here to be the best version of myself and that is not just for me everything we are experiences we affect everything right we're i'm affecting you you're affecting me we're affecting the people that are listening right we don't need more sick people we don't that's not going to help the fucking world right we need people to be feeling their best to be happy to be because when we are in this space we are more present we are contributing this to me is the math formula so yes are there is there sacrifice did the bison have to die? I will say this too. I am very picky about my sourcing. Like it's 
I only do grass fed. And I, like, I think wild buffalo, I think uh, Amber even said like they sage the animal. I mean, you know, like, cause there's a lot of inhumane shit that's out there. And I, Absolutely, I'm, yeah. 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 So when I'm, and I do believe that like harboring that, you know, the animal can harbor the fear and all that. And I, I'm not a part of that. So I'm very picky and I pay the extra price and it's, that's reverence too, um, for the animal and for me. And so, but yeah, I literally have like a moment with my food and, and that feels good for me in many ways. And so I didn't stop eating meat because I wanted to save the animals. But again, that's not to say that I don't have a deep love and reverence for all caring about doing it in a humane exactly i mean i i think i come at it from a, a really pragmatic perspective and i've really spent a lot of time thinking about how i want to communicate how i feel about food or i even want to communicate about it because it's so triggering for a lot of people it's so polarizing for a lot of people it is almost at a spiritual level for people where people consider their dietary choices so much a part of who they are as a person, their as identity. a moral good person, that it can be just a really, really hot topic, right? And it, right. I also feel like this is, again, sort of the pessimist in me coming out a little bit. <laughs> I like to think realist, but maybe it's pessimist. You can, you can weigh in. <laughs> I just feel like a lot of times in the environment that we're in right now, where increasingly it seems like it's more about picking and choosing the information that validates what you already believe rather than being open to ideas where facts don't matter as much as they used to. And that's a really scary place for someone who, again, I really pride myself on just being pragmatic. I want to learn and understand, and I will always be willing to adjust my beliefs and feelings based on information. And I like to eat paleo. That's, that's, if I have to put a term to it, it's whole foods paleo. And I tend more towards meat, animal protein heavy rather than plant-based paleo. Cause you can mm-hmm. kind of go through all the different perspectives. If there's some really compelling evidence comes out, not game changers, something else <laughs> that comes oh, out that is telling me that maybe, you know, if we go back to maybe red meat can be problematic or that there too much protein is bad for you or whatever. Like I'm willing to adjust my beliefs. And I think that we should all be willing to do that. But I think for me, again, the pragmatic piece that I want to communicate to people is I will never try to get any of my vegan or vegetarian friends to change their mind. I just want to put the information out there. And I think that if people are educated about the optimal human diet for most of humanity, because we're very bio-individual and there are some people who thrive on a vegan diet and people who thrive on a carnivore diet and everything in between. Most of us are in between. If you get all the facts and you say, I am choosing to be vegan because I don't like the idea of killing and eating animals, that's up to you. And you're allowed to make that decision, especially if you knowingly are okay with eating a suboptimal diet because you do not want to kill animals, right? Right. Okay. We also have to understand the hard truth that for any of us to eat, animals are going to die. Whether you're eating tofu or you're eating grains or you're eating bison, animals are dying because we're at the top of the food chain. There's a lot of us. We're all doing industrial agriculture where huge swaths of land are being raised to like, you know, harvest all of these plants and GMO crops and all these things that we're eating. And it's really about a lot of times the animals that we're comfortable with killing and eating. So I think there's that part that people need to understand is that none of us, we all have blood on our hands, right? It's what we're comfortable with. And also, again, it's the 
primal and human aspect of it, something you touched on, you give a lot of respect to the animals that have to die for you, but that is part of the circle of life. In nature, animals aren't dying quietly in their sleep. They're being eaten, you know, and that's what has to happen for life to continue. Mm -hmm. And I think that if we just do everything we can to, like you said, source the best quality ingredients, whether it's vegetables, produce, or, you know, animal protein, and be respectful and be understanding and be educated in our choices. That's what matters most to me. If you learn everything there is to know about nutrition and still decide to be a vegan or uh, if it fits your macros or whatever the hell you want to do, yeah, great. But I think just ascribing morality or lack thereof to things I think is problematic. I should applaud you. Like that's so perfect. So beautiful. I really agree with that. I feel I resonate with that. And one thing that I want to, kind of add to that is I think it's funny like I I, admittedly like I can get triggered sometimes because I I feel like you know it's fine like you said like if this is your belief and this is what you want to do great but when you're when you're making the other side look bad now listen I haven't seen game changers yet and I don't even want to but I do only the only reason why I know it's like I don't want to actually do them a favor but but because I know it's going to be a part of more conversations coming up and Listen, I'll use myself as an example. I was anemic. And you know what? Yeah, I could just supplement, but that would only get me so far. Adding the meat. And by the way, it's not just iron. We're talking about so many other nutrients that are so important to the system, you know, to be running on optimal, especially as a menstruating woman. Mm -hmm. You know, you have a heavy period. Like, listen, like, so do what you want to do. But don't make the other side or people who are eating animal protein like, oh, we're doing something wrong. Also, I don't really think that anybody, even my diet, which, you know, is, I don't do the title either. I think I'm more of a nutrivore than anything Mm because I'm always like trying to attack the most nutrients out of my food, you Mm -hmm. know, when I eat. But it is really in the paleo-esque and and more in the animal protein. I don't do organ meat. I know that's a big part of your diet, but I have a lot of respect for where you come at it, you know, and that's because I'm very open like you and I'm interested in like learning the ways at which we can really support ourselves to be living from our most healthiest state. Right. But all that's being said, like, I'm never going to like say, Hey, this is what your diet should be. Like who the fuck? I mean, ultimately I think we've reached a, a level modest as it may be of wisdom that we have reached the point where we know that telling people that what they're doing is wrong or stupid doesn't change minds. No. So you can talk about politics. You can talk about food. You can talk about workout methodologies saying that something that they're doing isn't good or, you know, you're stupid or that's dumb or that's like not the right thing that never changes somebody's mind. What you do is put information out You try to live the best life that you can. You'd be willing to, answer questions and connect with people when they reach out to you. That was the biggest thing for me because being in the sort of health and fitness space. So I write for paleo magazine. I host that podcast. I'm working with Ben Pakulski in the sort of bodybuilding realm, Mm -hmm. all of this stuff. I had this desire for a long time to try and for lack of a better word, force this information on the people that I loved that I thought could benefit from it and learned very quickly (laughs) through frustration and a lot of trial and error that that's not going to work. You can't, force change. You can't force a willingness to engage on anybody, but with a little bit of patience and a little bit of stepping back and saying, I'm here if, and when you need me, Yes, the people will come to you when they're ready. It's so true. I experienced that in my own life, but also what I 
I'm going to add to that and say specifically around diet, man, unless you know someone's genes and their blood markers, that's really where I think I get triggered. Cause I'm like, girl, you're promoting that. That's cool. But do you even know what ferritin is? Mm -hmm. Cause there's probably a good chance that you don't. And if you want to be promoting, like, again, by all means do for you. But like you said, we are bio individual. You cannot be saying this is the best thing for you when you don't even know what their genes are doing and how their genes respond to food and where they are deficient and where they need more. And it's so fucking complex. So I just, that is something that really, when I see that, I'm like, man, like the person who has that privilege, like, listen, when Gabrielle, when I finally get to do my blood labs with her, like when she says rocks, this is what your diet needs and this is what it does not need. Mm-hmm. That's who I'm listening to mm-hmm. because she understands biology. She's looking at my body of how to, especially in my case, it would be to not just keep me, oh, good and healthy, but like to keep Maximize. me kicking ass in my life. That's who I'm listening to. Not someone who's like, this is my belief. This is what I, so I just feel very like people should really consider when you're trying to promote something. I think the problem is, is that, you know, people build their identity around it. Now it's like your whole social media fucking page and it's your whole, you know, and I know, again, this is a hot subject, but listen, it is what it is, man. I feel bad too. Like I've seen people talk about like people who have recovering vegans or vegetarians where they, like you said, they built a brand on a certain ideology around food. And then when they decided to, they had the courage to make a change in maybe adding in animal protein or just changing things for their own health. Yeah. And people would give, would really hate on them I know. for making those changes. I, it's like, yeah. The whole point of what you're trying to put out in the world is information about health. Yes. And that information about health changed for you personally. Right. And you were communicating that and people hated on you for it. Right. And I think that's kind of messed up. Like, again, I get it. Like, I've had moments where I have felt like a real sort of intense, like personal connection with whatever my workout is, whatever my food is, whatever my decision that I think is right. But I think that that's a constant thing we need to be working against that the negative part of our ego that tells us that our decisions make us better than other people. We're all different. We all have different goals. We're coming from different places. We have different values. So it's just for me, it's just, and we talked about this, like as being connectors and being Mm -hmm. communicators, that's all it is for me is just communicating. It's learning and sharing what I'm learning with other people. Take it or leave it. I'm with you, girl. It's sharing is the word that really is for me. It's what it's like. We're just sharing, you know, and not even saying like we're investigate this. Mm -hmm. We're putting this out. We do due diligence of Mm -hmm. like work in terms of investigating, learning. And like, here you go. But also, and I think it's just to be very empowered as an individual is like, Take the information and then do your own research and do your own application and see like, so yeah, I'm with, again, I haven't seen that documentary and not just about the documentary. I think the thing about the documentary that I'm not, what I'm hearing and what doesn't sit right with me is that it seems to make it that meat is the enemy. And obviously I know that we're not sitting here saying to not eat like vegan is enemy. Like Mm -hmm. we're not, we don't have a I certainly don't have a dog to fight. Like, there's no dog. The only thing in this life is too short to hate people because they eat differently than you. Oh my god! Get over it. (laughs) 
get over it. There's so many other bigger problems in the world. Like, oh, you eat less meat? Cool, I'll eat yours. Like, I'll eat your leftovers. It's fine. Let's all get along. Let's get along and let's feel fucking great. Isn't that a better concept? Like, let's just all feel great and kick ass. Yep. Yeah. Okay, can we pivot? Totally. I I I love pivoting. (laughs) I want to ask you about your work as a makeup artist. Because I'm fascinated. I mean, first of all, offline, let's talk eyebrows because I'm obsessed. Oh, yeah. Um, No, for sure. But how did you get into that line of work? It started in retail. At the time, living in Hawaii, Hawaii's home for me, lived there for years and started working in retail at Neiman Marcus. And so what I discovered is that, yes, I'm very good at sales. I keep it real and I'm not annoying. But what I really discovered, I mean, annoying in the sense of sales, people are like trying to like, you know, that's obviously subjective. No, but like I really loved, and this wasn't my first go at it. I was always the girlfriend who got you ready for the event Mm -hmm. or something, you know, but my favorite part of that job was literally when I got to put the makeup on the woman that would come through. And then, you know, so it started there, but it really didn't kick into full gear. When I say full gear, I mean full commitment until I moved from New York back to LA. LA to the South Bay where I live. You know, even when I moved at the time, it was such a big move for me after living in New York for years. I'm like, oh God, everything's so different. Yeah, I knew I could rely on makeup because I would do freelance work in retail at that time. I should probably note this too, jumping around. I was formally trained. I moved to Paris for about six months and went to an artistic academy for makeup out there. That was rad. Yeah. Christian Chaveau. It's super amazing. And so that really helped shape my, like my eyes and the technical part. But the craft I think has always been within me because I've always been working with my hands, drawing, painting, making jewelry, but it would just to kind of shorten the story because it feels like it's such a long one. I dabbled from the time that I started to the time that I went to Paris. And then even after that, I would kind of go in and out of it. I had this whole other career passion that I love doing events and whatnot. But when I moved back to LA and like, it was like, okay, we got to make some money do my thing. Just, you know, start okay, freelance retail. I lined myself up with a brand that I felt very connected to at the time was Shuamura. It's not here anymore. It's a Japanese brand. It's amazing. And it worked so well. They started traveling me up and down the West coast to do their events. You know, I discovered in that, that I was like, you know, I actually, I'm liking this. So maybe I'll start like investing in my book, right? Portfolio. And like, cause that's a whole thing that never really ends in your career. Mm-hmm. But I knew at the time, you know, I was trained to where I could, go and there's like fashion and then there's celebrity and I I'm in the celebrity realm I love fashion and my school in Paris like I could have gone there but for me the biggest part that I loved about makeup was the connection Mm. you know it was like when you in the celebrity realm it's more of like you're working in these teams you know the hairstylist stylist and we tend to we work together a lot I just really appreciated that out of in addition to like playing with color went up. So anyways, yeah, I started building my book and just started, you know, putting myself out there more and you know, it's tough cuz freelance just in any career path, right? It's like it's hard. You know, I knew I was on the path because I was just following what I was feeling and it felt really good mm-hmm. and that's always been how I've, that's how I navigate through my life. I follow the feeling and listen to the inside, you know, and that's actually very difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of challenge with that, but it was certainly, it served me because it's, it's still an active part of my career life, obviously. And I love it very much. I love the clients that I get to work with, but now I have this whole other career life that I, I love deeply as well. So 
I'd yeah. like to ask because as a, a fellow sort of hustler freelancer that kind of creates, literally creates my own work and I love doing that. Yeah. How do you reconcile or do you have to at all the fact that you sort of have your hands in so many different jars, <laughs> right? Like you have the podcast, yeah. you're, you do coaching, you do this makeup work. Like how do you bring them together cohesively or do you not? Like if someone, you know, you're at a dinner party and they're like, what do you do? What the hell do you say? I love that question because it's like, I think we're in a time now where it's becoming more acceptable to have more than one thing after your name, right? Like you can be more than one thing. And really, I think that we should in life, like, man, we're here with this one shot that we know of, that I know of, I don't know. And like, I want to experience as much as I can. And I, you know, Marie Forleo is someone I really love. And I feel like she summed it up really easily for me where she's a multi-passionate entrepreneur. Well, so am I, you know, I'm great at makeup and I love it, but makeup is not the full expression of Roxanne. You know, the podcast is more of the full expression, you know, mindset, voice, and, you know, framework and all that, but how I kind of manage it all, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> actually, when you said it and you're like, Oh, can we pivot? I started to say, I I'm all about agility. Mm-hmm. I literally, I, I take this from training because I, I have to be very agile to be able to operate and not just like, here's another piece to add to it. I'm not here to just like do okay makeup or to like put out an okay podcast. I fucking chase excellence. I want this shit to be, I want to bring my A game every single time, you know? So the answer to that is I think it helps that I'm an introvert, which means I demand, like I make sure that I, I have enough time for myself to recover from mind, body on all those levels. And that helps me be very, on my A game when I'm in these spaces, but it is challenging at times, you know, honestly, like even in the last two months, I have a weekly podcast, keeping it real. Like an episode has gone out on day 10, the mm-hmm. last couple weeks that bothers me mm-hmm. as someone who's like chasing excellence, this whole thing. But the reason for that is not because I'm sitting down and watching TV and just chilling. It's cause you know, and this might sound very foofy or whatever the fuck, but like, no, I'm in, you know, Milan during fashion week, like doing my makeup and you know what I mean? Or I'm like, I'm here in New York on a podcast run for a week. And so it can get hard and stressful, but I think what really helps me mm-hmm. is as much as I am a lover of excellence and I chase it, I look at life from above, like bird's eye view. And I go, okay, what are you really doing here? You're not fucking up. You're not like sitting down and like just not caring. If I look at everything that I'm doing from up here, I'm upholding everything at a strong enough level that there's this overarching level of greatness that's happening from health, mindset, makeup is cool, like podcast is going, like... But yeah, sometimes in some ways, like this might take a little uh, over here. Maybe I get a little less sleep over here because I got it. So, you know, I don't believe in balance. I have zero, like the word. What does it even mean? Yeah. Well, it's very static to me and mm-hmm. life is not static. So yeah, the like word homeostasis, which you don't really want to have. You kind of want to just always be. I love harmony. Reaching for something else. Yeah. Because harmony is in motion. 
And so are we. And so is life. But harmony, there's obviously a sense of balance in that. Like there's, it's, it's, I mean, even just feels good when you say that balance is like, I'm bored. Mm-hmm. Harmony is like, where are we going? Mm-hmm. You know? So I think when I look at it from here, I'm like rocks, like there is harmony happening. And this is, so it, it takes a lot of work. And I'm sure like, can I turn that question back at you? Because you are doing a lot, woman. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that I think we can maybe start to like wrap up, because I know you've been working for 12 hours today and we've been talking for three. Um, we're going to obviously have to do going. two, three, four. Seriously. Um, but also I'm getting up in a couple hours and doing my one of my jobs. So I, gotta, mm-hmm. I guess we got to remember oh, we're going yeah. to Tampa first thing in the morning. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Okay. But to kind of continue this part of it. So I had a really hard time actually with the whole like you're at a stupid dinner party and someone asks what you do because of course that's what people do and you have to say something. Right. And so I always used to say like just I'm a writer because that's what I love the most and it's also a big part of what I do. And it's just easy, right? Because yeah. I'm like, oh, I like, you know, the podcast host and I'm like, that's not a job. And anyway, like it's a whole thing, right? So yeah. I just felt like I could say I'm a writer and that's, I could say that's what I did and it was easy enough. I'm sort of with you. Like I like the idea of, for somebody who I always considered myself to be very type A and to like to have things sorted out and be in control. And after school, I went straight into a very like corporate job that I left in like the middle of the economic downturn in 2009 to go be a writer like an idiot. And it's worked out <laughs> That's very when well I started for me. The right? <laughs> when I got like, hey, why not? When you're gonna, Gas you're gonna, is $5 a gallon. We're good. Let's there do you go. If you're going to jump off the cliff, <laughs> do it during a storm. Like, why not? But, you know, and of course I don't regret it. But I, I think that one of the things that's becoming more and more important to me, and it's funny because having, you talked about like, your balance of masculine and feminine. And I struggle with this a little bit because I've struggled in the past with feeling like I don't identify with a lot of my girlfriends because I felt like the things that I liked and the thing, the way that I communicated and the way that I moved through the world was a lot more masculine. And I don't consider myself a masculine person. Again, these things are so fuzzy and gray and hard to explain. But I think that one of the things that's really becoming more and more important to me as I become more comfortable with being in my feminine Mm -hmm. side and being okay with that and not thinking like that means I'm weak and soft because what a fucked up way to think that I'm like if I own my femininity that means that I'm kind of like the softer weaker side of myself I hate that I hate feeling that way and I'm, I'm getting over it all that to say one of the things that I'm working on in my professional and personal career that has been really really life changing and beneficial to me is putting more emphasis and caring on the connections that I'm making in work and in life. And to me before, maybe that would have been like sort of the cornier part. It's like, Oh, like, you know, caring about relationships and deep connection. Like that sounds like some weird frou-frou shit that like people talk about in yoga. I'm not into that. Like that's, that's literally where I was coming from, which again is problematic. Right. But that's where I was coming from. Cause I'm more like, you know, action oriented goals, like yes or no, let's go do it. Like I'm not about like these softer kind of skills. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And I'm really kind of softening into that a little bit more. And one of the ways that I'm doing that is first of all, amazing conversations like this. But one of the things that I've really started to do with my career, it's, it started out as something that was just kind of fun. And now I'm, I'm adding it to sort of my repertoire and my brand 
are these events that I'm doing, which yeah, we were talking about. Yeah, Human Potential Party. Yeah, yeah. So my such a rad party. name. It's cool, right? Yes. I don't know where it came from. I can't from. wait to go. The deepest recess of my brain. I do one, I do one like in LA, so maybe we can like, yeah, figure we need something out. Yeah, we need 100%. But really, it was born from the fact that I am in this world, the health and wellness and fitness community that is really full of very, very enthusiastic, educated, interesting people mm-hmm. who love to learn but we do not connect one-on-one and in real life as much as we should. And it's a generalization, but look, we're all on Instagram. We all know everybody. We're all listening to the same podcasts, reading the same books, reading the same articles. We're all super educated, but are we getting together and talking like this? Yeah. No, because we're all fucking tired and we're busy (laughs) and we'd rather stay home in our pajamas and like work on our computers. We're all like that. Yeah. But we all also know that when we have these opportunities, these targeted opportunities with like-minded, interesting, interested individuals, we, we are better for it and we feel better. Yeah. So what I wanted to do, and because I also know I go to all of these like health conferences and the paleo effects and the bulletproof conferences and all these things. I'm sure you do these in your industry. No. Well, okay. in my industry. Yeah. I haven't really tapped into that yet. Yeah. Well, the thing about them, there's, there's lots of benefits to them, but these big events, like there's a lot of cons. There's the fact that they're expensive. Yeah. You probably have to travel across the world and get a hotel and go to this, pay $700 to go to this thing. And there's 10,000 people there and you're yeah. trying to walk through the expo floor and meet every single person and you're right. trying to go to every single talk and it's good to have these events that bring people together but they tend to be more of a quantity over quality kind of situation and I've been to enough of them and felt so wiped out from them that I thought there has to be a better way to get what we're hoping to get from these events and what I tried to do is create something that's a lot smaller and more intimate but still has all of those major components so the events that I'm doing I'm having them all in different cities Mm -hmm. and they'll be smaller so they're like a 30 to 50 person kind of event and I have in the different locations I'll have speakers or a panel or one speaker or two speakers talking about maybe it's functional medicine maybe it's nutrition maybe it's I don't know like any name it name yeah. it flavor and I'll put together like a goodie bag of like healthy treats or things I want people to try and it's either at like a restaurant or a venue that has something to offer in the health and wellness space and so people get together and they learn from somebody smart and they get to actually ask the person and talk to them and maybe shake their hand. So rad. They get to eat some healthy food and they get to network and connect with people in their neighborhood. They didn't have to go anywhere. It's in their city yeah. and meet and make connections and make friends. And then they get to be at home in bed by 10 o'clock, which is what we all want. <laughs> Truly. Right? But every single event I've done, I've been doing it for a couple of years. Well, they had a few. I've had three like official ones. I had one in New York with mm-hmm. um, Ralph, your boy, your new friend. Yeah. Gabrielle, incredible. The fact that they, you know, lent their time to this event. So I had one in New York that was super successful. I had one in Toronto. I just had one in Seattle. And every single event that I did, I have made a friend, like a legit friend. I'm like, you're my friend now. Yeah. I've made business connections. I've connected other people together. That's amazing, Ashley. It's, it makes me feel so good. Yes. And it's, it's on a small scale and I've reconciled again with my, I've wrestled with my ego to know that that's okay. I don't have to have an event with 2000 people and I don't have to have a million people know what I'm doing. If I can have these events where I can make friends and other people can make friends and they can learn something and feel better, feel like they connected with somebody and felt like they are better off for the experience that they had. 
Like there's a lot of impact in that girl. What else? Yeah, no, that's amazing. People, I think there's, I mean, obviously and there's value in the bigger things, but like, it doesn't have to be that. And if if anything, it's like you said, there's also cons to that too. Like you're creating a very healthy, intimate space. Listen, a lot of the reason why I haven't gone to those things yet is because honestly, girl, I don't really want to be around all those kind, like not all the people, like kinds of people, but like just all people. The because manic I, energy. It's manic. Yeah. Like I'm very sensitive to energy and I, you know, like I'm not uncomfortable in crowds or whatever, but like if I'm going to go out of my way and spend all this money, like do I really, it could be very draining. Whereas like the intimate setting where you're, you're still, you're going to extract the nutrients that you want, you know, but if anything, like oftentimes you can get even more because it's this intimate space and we're not, I don't think it's just, you know, the size, it's more about like the quality, like you're obviously going to get people who are really interested in showing up. And I think there's something to say even about that. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think this is amazing work that you're doing. I want to, and will be supporting you. Yeah. California 2020. Uh, Yes, girl, I'm in it. I'm going to start doing live podcasts. So that's different, but yeah. in you know, the concept is, it's similar, but it's the intention is similar where it's like, okay, look, <laughs> like I throw parties for a living, you know, like fun, nice, high quality events. And, you know, I don't really go out much these days, partly too, because my work I'm always on. Right. And on doesn't mean obviously it's all authentic, but like, I mean, it's just, I'm on, like I'm talking and I'm present and I'm so makeup. It's like, it's exhausting, you know, podcasting. I love it. But like, listen, we're going to sleep fucking hopefully really good tonight. Yep. Cause like we've been talking. Right. <laughs> yep. But so, for, but that doesn't mean that I don't want to get out and socialize and be around, you know, people and meet new people and be interested. So I love the idea of creating a live event where, you know, we'll have the podcast happening and people can come sit down and listen to the expert and obviously engage and meet and connect, you know, and it's almost like selfish because I'm like, I just want some fun stuff to do where I don't, I'm not a big drinker. Like I might have an organic glass of wine and no, like, you know, there'll most likely be some wine there for people. But yeah. just to say like, I'm not the girl who's intrigued to go to the bar because I'd rather wake up because I wake up early anyways at 5 a.m. and like sit by my candle and meditate and journal and then go train and I feel good. But that I'd still want some nice. So I love how you said, well, like we're in, we're in bed by 10 o'clock. So I love that. Yeah. So there needs to be more things like this happening, I think, because for so many reasons that we just tapped into. So I'm excited for you. And I want to add something to you to this because we're new friends, right? And Gabrielle knew again, like she's so badass. It was immediate. Literally. I said, I walked up to you at Hugh Kitchen. I mean, of course we were sort of Instagram friends. So it's obviously like I knew kind of like your vibe and and what you were into, but I saw you standing in front of like, I don't know, the chocolates in Hugh Kitchen, just like buff and like power posing and I'm like yep that's my girl there she is I found her it's so amazing (laughs) I just love it I love it I love that's that I mean and again like talking about the connection thing like Gabrielle was a speaker at one of my events I barely knew her she volunteered her time we've become great friends since then she has introduced me to at least a dozen incredible women whom I've been able to be friends with interview learn from talk to you're one of those women like if if that hadn't happened like this is all a steamroll event if I hadn't decided I'm gonna have these parties I'm gonna make it happen I'm gonna do it my first real one that I launched was in 
New York. And like 60 people came on. It was January. That's incredible. It was January 31st last year. I don't know if you remember the cold snap that hit the entire Eastern Seaboard last winter. That's it amazing. was like minus 20 here the day of the party. Like they were putting out like, because of course I'm from Canada. So I'm like, whatever, it's winter. But like everyone here was like, can we leave our houses? Like, are we all going to die? I'm like, please come to this party still. Amazing turnout. It was incredible. But again, like that, if I hadn't decided to do that, Gabrielle wouldn't have been there. If we hadn't become friends, I wouldn't have met you. Like all of these things, like they happen because you put yourself out there and you put yourself in this headspace where you're open to new things and new people and new experiences. And that's how it happens. That is so, there's so much to say about that, but I'm going to be considerate of the fact that you're taking a flight early in the morning, but just to take the chance, because it takes a lot to put yourself out there. Right. And that is something that you are constantly doing, you know, in your work to do an event and, you know, to ask people to come and the weather and all that, that, that takes a lot of guts, you know? So I'm, I'm like applauding you for moving towards the fight, you know, for, for being someone who's willing to, I mean, I don't know if it was uncomfortable or not, but there's challenge. There had to have been even just saying the weather or whatnot, but like, that's, I'm just so, I'm so happy that you did that too, obviously. And then Gabrielle, you know, and one thing that I'll also add to that is I love the woman, you know, just, it takes a very confident woman to be so supportive, you know, right off the bat, like straight up. When I asked Gabrielle, like, I didn't know her. I just knew her through different podcasts. And I was like, Oh my God, this woman, I need to have her hit her up on DM. And I was like, I would love to have you on my podcast. And she was like, right away. Just, I love supporting women. Like she's just, and that that's confidence. That's alpha. Mm -hmm. That's true alpha. So, Oh my gosh, again, mad love to Gabrielle. And I do want to add this, you know, just learning more about you, investigating, listening to your podcast. And I'm just so proud of you. And I know that like, I seriously, like I am a very sensitive woman. This is like my feminine, I sit deep in this shit, you know, but it makes me strong actually mm-hmm. at the same time. But you know, I love it because I see a fighter in you and it takes a lot of work and you know, you're not a celebrity. You're not this like super high profile Instagram person. Mm-hmm. It's harder when you're, when you're this person and then you're launching this thing, this event and your podcasting and you know, there's, it's hard. It's hard. And I understand that, you know, but you put out amazing content, girl, you know, your shit, you walk people into really not just intelligent conversations, but like very entertaining conversations, which is great. Cause then you're talking about smart stuff and you're able to actually, you know, retain the information more. There's so much more that I, I'm so excited to even learn about you and what you're doing. That's what part two is going to be about. Seriously. But I can appreciate what you're saying too, because there's an art to in the world where there's so much social media and so much distraction and so much sexy flashy stuff you have to know your stuff but you also have to know how to get it out there like yeah. you said there yeah. is an entertainment component because you can be as smart as you want and if you're boring nobody gives a shit right. unfortunately yeah. so you really have to be able to combine all of that but I, I appreciate what you're saying and I thank you so much for first of all like even hanging out with me tonight I feel oh so God, glad please. that we the, have connected yes. in real life like I just know it was a point is, of alignment like yeah. this trip was yeah I knew I had to take it you're like oh I knew it was just it was yeah, it's we're gonna right, be the start of a, of a beautiful friendship. But I, I think I think it's nice to end on the concept of alpha females being people who 
are supportive and comfortable in who they are and able to help other people. And that goes for men and women, alpha, everybody. 100%. But there's also like, there's a bit of a selfish component to it too, because it feels good to me 100%. to help other people yeah. and to connect other people. And you know, when I can do something that makes your life better or somebody else's life better, that makes me feel really good. Yeah. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with getting something good out of doing something good for other people too. Right. So yeah. I think it's not all one or the other. You don't have to be a martyr. You don't have to be completely altruistic. You can like, if you want to help other people and you have a genuine desire to do that, it's okay to want to help yourself too. Like that's what being a hustler is all about. I guess. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Knuckles. Okay. okay next so, next episode though, yes. you and me imagining walkout songs of our favorite celebrities. Done. <laughs> and everybody go look up Fist City. I will. Loretta Lynn. Yes. Okay, so all of the show notes, like, show notes will have all information, yes. but shout out to your Instagram and... Treat. Yeah, yeah, okay, so, and we'll we'll be posting this, I guess we should note, too, like, this is kind of like a fun joint podcast. We'll yeah, I so love this. All of our communities will get to um, hear this very free-flowing conversation, but <laughs> you can find me, the best way to do it is Instagram, at The Muscle Maven, that's where I am on social media and online, and I'm very responsive there, and I also have um, a website that tells just a little bit more about, like, what I do and what I'm up to and my party like upcoming events all of that's on there and that's just my name ashleyvanhouten.com and no one can probably spell that so we can put it in the show notes no for sure i'm sure you get this too no one can say or pronounce your last name yeah Yeah. it's a tough one well people just call me roxy usually even though i am roxanne safai but hey i do want to point something else out you have a rad newsletter so yeah, yeah, you I can love sign it. Sign up for that on the web on my website yes. for free. I give you one newsletter a week because frankly, I don't have any more time to harass you <laughs> than just the one newsletter. But I actually do love that, and because it's so much fun, and actually Gabrielle, I think, encouraged me to do it. But it's again, communicators. It's so much fun for me. It's just another way for me to like tell you all the things I'm so excited about. Like yes. you can see me now. I'm like bursting with excitement. And everything. I'm like I can't wait to read my next newsletter. I've got so much stuff for you to no, read. No, it's true, and I love you know, and it's like I know that a lot of emails are you know it's hard these days you know reading we, is like a, lot lot of shit. we have yeah. a lot of shit but um i love your newsletter yeah, but yeah. yeah i mean i'm starting something really fun it's i don't even call it a newsletter though it's like it's love letters um yeah because oh, nice. <laughs> well you know starting january 2020 because i really wanted to i want to extend further communication i don't want to you know just be i'm the same as you like i i want to keep it simple i want to keep it short i understand that nobody has time you know it's hard to even get to a text message sometimes because i very much and we'll get into this in the next podcast my morning routine is so it's not even a routine it's a ritual and it's so important to me and um i really love the idea of like you know, priming your mind to set the tone for your day. So starting January, 2020, um, my email subscribers will be getting one email a week for me. That is a little love letter and you can literally read it in less than two minutes, but it will serve you some empowerment in the mind so that you can just like, yeah, like queen up and like, you know, move through your day, like feeling really good. So I'm really excited about that. Cause that feels like, yes, this is me. This I is, love that. yeah, it's going to be mean, fun. Everybody can benefit from a love letter. So right. right? Exactly. Who doesn't want a love letter? Exactly. It's perfect. Yeah. And, um, so Instagram for me is Roxy look R X Y L O K. And then I also have my brand black belt beauty. I'm active on both. Definitely more Roxy look, but yeah, they're both out there. And then podcast, obviously for, you know, your listener, listeners. <laughs> Did it's I? late, dude. Dude, we I'm short circuiting, but I'm, I'm so high though. Black Belt Beauty Radio on all platforms of podcasts. So girl, thank you so much. Thank this is so, so much. much fun. You're 
fucking awesome. We might have awesome. to do this like super on the reg. No, for sure. Yeah. I know. People are like, <laughs> uh-oh. We're going to have to listen to them. We're going to have to listen to them like super excitedly chat for two hours once a week now. Is this my life? Yes, it is. Listeners. It is. <laughs> I appreciate you. Thank we you We warned so you. Yeah, no. Thank you, girl. All right. So we're going to, it's time to eat a little bit more chocolate yep. and then hit the bed. Yep. Bye, you guys. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning into this episode, you guys. If you loved it, please share it on your social. Throw it up on your Instagram stories and tag me. I'm at Black Belt Beauty. I am also at Roxy Look, R-O-X-Y-L-O-O-K. I love connecting with you guys. This is a conversation that I want to just continue growing with you guys. So if you feel inspired to hit me up, do so in that space. I always enjoy hearing from you. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can do so by rating it and reviewing it via iTunes. It's such supportive help, you guys. It really helps the visibility of this podcast. So I appreciate and thank you in advance for doing that. And last but not least, if you are interested in starting your own podcast, or perhaps you already have one and you need help with you know editing your audio and the production of it, I cannot recommend my producers enough. Resonate Recordings, you guys, they are the bomb. I rely on them. They are an absolute supportive tool to me and my podcast. So check them out and let them know that Black Belt Beauty sent you. And on that note, you guys, I'm signing off with all my love and always looking forward to catching you on the next.